0: Welcome to the Broken Jars Broadcasting Network, home of the Dresden Files Podcast, 42 Entertainment, and many others. More podcasts like this one can be found at BrokenJars.xyz.
1: I declare bankruptcy! Bears. Eats. Battlestar Galactica. Depression not just a fancy word of feeling bummed out, Twight, and slut? Not only the years we've been at war, but from the moment, as a child, when we realized that the world could be conquered. Welcome to your Great Scott, the Office podcast. I'm Jay Ray, and with me is my desk mate Jacob. How's it going, buddy? everybody? We are a member of the Broken Jars Broadcasting Network, so visit BrokenJars.xyz for all of our other fantastic shows. And a big what up to TinyBuild, um, one of our sponsors, a uh, developer of such great games as Punch Club, Speedrunners, and Cluster Truck.
2: Cluster Truck looks amazing. It I does remember. look fun. <laughs> I cannot wait to play that game. <clears throat> so today we're going to be going through episode, season two, episodes nine, ten, eleven, and twelve, which is email surveillance. Uh, Christmas party, the Christmas party, booze, cruise, and the injury. Uh, four fantastic episodes, two of my personal top tens. So uh, this ought to be interesting. And rewatching them for the eighteenth millionth time didn't change how I <laughs> felt about them.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say my when we do our post episode um, ratings or whatever, I've been I've been thinking we've just got so many damn episodes ahead of us. Yeah. So I, I've been really – I felt like I, I've been a lot tougher on these episodes, which basically will mean by the end of this podcast, years from now, um, my reviews won't mean anything because I'm just trying to keep some type of status quo so as not to love all the episodes too much.
2: So you could get into some of the season nine episodes, you would be like minus seven out of five. <laughs> yeah, I'll be
1: like – this. Is, I give this episode one Parks and Rec. One. <laughs>
2: Speaking, I mean, we're actually watching Parks and Rec. It's pretty good. It's my first time through it.
1: Yeah, it you know it suffers from some of the same first season like oddities, and then it kind of blossoms after that. Um, and it finishes strong, not not to get too far away from the Office, but it finishes strong in a way that I felt like the Office couldn't uh, couldn't do at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, like it has an ending. Office kind of, like it does have an ending, but it could have happened a little bit sooner. Right. But um, you know,
2: you live and learn. Right, so we're here with uh, Season 2, Episode 9, Email Surveillance. In this episode, Jim is having a party, and Michael finds out about it because he installs email snooping software on all the computers, which never gets brought up again, by the way. Right. (laughs) And I guess there really isn't a B storyline, except for maybe, like, Michael's improv stuff. Mm -hmm. But we have the cold open where... Michael sees the new IT guy and he's worried he's a terrorist. <laughs> yeah, it's like one of my favorite cold opens. Yeah, sure. at the very end, he's like, yeah, me, the new IT guy, did not get off to the best start. <laughs> uh, so it's,
1: it's interesting you bring that up because one of the first things I note is that, um, is it true that Michael just met the IT guy for the first time today? Or, like he later references later in the show, like, is he just bad at remembering... The various IT people who come in. Because there's like that joke about Nick later on, like season five or six or whichever. When he leaves, no one remembers his name.
2: No, that was... That had to be at least six. because That was when Saber was there. Yeah.
1: Um, so, because, because then the IT guy ends up at the party later. Right. So, is Jim just super friendly? And that's why it's insulting that Michael wasn't invited or is the IT guy an integral part of the office that we just haven't seen, and Michael is just being a terrible person by not remembering who's who.
2: I, yeah, I mean, that's a good that's a good point. I really hadn't thought about that. I just assumed he was new. But, right. I mean, he's around the office. He, he shows up in a few more episodes down the road, so he's obviously around. So, and maybe yeah. James was just being super friendly, like, hey, he's a new guy. We'll invite him. Yeah. You know, so. and it's just like the... The poke at Michael, right? Right. We like,
1: don't want Michael here, but we do want Sadiq here.
2: <laughs> and, you know, in this episode, we get to see a lot of stuff away from the office, mm-hmm. uh, which is really, um, which is really cool. You get see Jim's Jim's house, condo, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> it seems like it's probably like a duplex, just the way it's constructed. But
1: you know, it's an, that that was another thing too that stuck out to me at like how young everybody is because like we always talk about it and you kind of give these people ages or whatever mm-hmm. um but jim's room looks like a dorm room yeah which would make us feel like maybe he's only a couple years out of college which means like he's what between 22 to 25
2: that seems about right um
1: yeah and it's just kind of interesting because when i watched it in college or whatever 18 17 whatever um you think these people are so old you know, Jim's like thirty or something like that. But now that I'm almost thirty, I'm like Jim is like a baby.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know. One thing, I uh, – because me and my wife were watching The Office, you know, two. You know, we're but we're way ahead of where we are now. And something I, I, I've noticed is they do a good job of improving people people's incomes. Right. With you know, because in the first season. Jim is driving a Corolla, you know, an old, obviously, used to be someone in his family. And then later, you know, he's got the Saab, which the one, the Saab he has is actually a, a badge for WRX. So it's a very nice fast car. And then he gets a Subaru later, you know, the nice big SUV. I think it's a Tribeca or whatever. So, and you see that kind of progression with people you know, in in the, their money and everything else, you know, like, which makes sense. Since it's a decade-long show, you're going to be making a whole lot more. Right. I mean, I make a whole lot more at 31 than I did at 21.
1: Right, right, right yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Um, yeah, I mean, you have to appreciate that, too. Because it's really easy for the show to kind of overlook those types of details. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's like a conversation where, like, uh-oh, Jim's going to have a car. Should he have a better car than last time or whatever? And they... Act
2: on it, yeah, it was just kind of nifty. Mm-hmm. So, and one thing, uh, I kind of noticed about this. So, uh, Dwight is talking to michael's like, You hey, what if you die? He's like, I'm not gonna die, I'm fit as a horse. And Ooh. Dwight just starts naming all these different ways that Michael could die. I'm like, Man, Dwight has thought about this way too much, right? <laughs> it's yeah, like, like you could step on a landmine if I step on a landmine. <laughs> Screen PA, you can have my job. And you know there was part of Dwight who was like, "I can get a landmine." <laughs> oh, I had sure. that thought. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you know he thought about it for just a little bit. I mean, it definitely is
1: another insight into Dwight's like weird, like sense of reality, and that he's closer to a bodyguard than he is to top salesman. Right of the screen, range. yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah and you know this episode we start really um really progressing down to new storylines um dwight and angela we know for a fact they're they're boning you because know, dwight goes to um angela's like you need to lead all your sensitive emails she's like i know right and, right, and yeah. then um the whole baby ruth candy bar bit where angela gets two of them and it's also the one of the first episodes where the camera crew is really a, like an and extra. A right? It's like an yeah. extra character because, you know because Pam asks them if they notice anything to let them know, and then you know, they see Dwight eating the candy bar, so they get her attention, and she's like, "Ah, oh, super happy about it." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's no, true. And you know, Dwight and Angela, I mean, that's that's a that's one of the biggest storylines in the entire show. It lasts basically from now till the end of the series um is a catalyst for a lot of things that happen going forward you have all the stuff with like the senator and andy you know because you get into the season five and andy and angela are engaged but she's still bone and dwight and (laughs) all that stuff so yeah big big stuff there um and then we start, you know, getting down the, the Jim-Pam, tr- you know, uh, trail a little bit more. Right. You know, because people are starting to think that, you know, they're they're boning each other. Because at the party, you know, Pam asked Phyllis about any secret office romance. She's like, you tell me. Mm. <laughs> you know. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's also another interesting insight into Phyllis because, like, you'd find out that she is kind of like this office gossip, and she's always been so quiet because she also says something like that to Karen Um, later on when Karen gets um, transferred to Scranton where they're driving, um, they're doing that, like, uh, Amazing Race sales competition.
2: Yeah, Traveling Salesman. Yeah.
1: And uh, Phyllis is like, you know, well, I never thought Jim would get over Pam or whatever. And again... None of this has ever been confirmed that anybody was ever dating anybody, but Phyllis is walking around talking about it like it's, like, fact, you know? Um, it just shows that Phyllis is a bit of a chatty chatty. <laughs> chatty Cathy? Yeah.
2: Chatty Kathy. yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right. I, I hadn't really thought about it. It's,
1: we, it's weird. It's weird. You wouldn't have pegged Phyllis as that because um, she's such a nice lady. Easy rider, sure. But, <laughs> you know, that was high school.
2: Yeah. But, you know, we, uh, like, Phyllis, becomes more of a jerk later on (laughs) sure like once she really starts dating bob and gets married i guess she feels like she can just do whatever and so she does (laughs) well she has the confidence to do it
1: well there's like a weird sense that bob vance is like part of the mafia or something (laughs) you know like um she makes references about like the last person to hit on her since she's been married to bob like can't hit on anybody anymore or whatever and um you know bob might be what do you call it uh not cheating on her but like overly flirtatious with the new secretary who looks like a young phyllis or whatever like Mm -hmm. there's like this weird like maybe he's like in charge of more than we're let on in the show you know and she makes those subtle hints and i think that gives her like this mob wife mentality um or or it's Scranton. And the most powerful organization in Scranton is Bob Vance Refrigeration. Totally legal. And she is just a little hottie totty about it.
2: <laughs> well, they obviously have some money now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, may- maybe just the, the money going to her head. But, yeah. And we also like to start to see, like, even, just even more Michael self-delusions in this episode about how Like he just cannot understand why people don't like to do stuff with him, and he doesn't realize that no one, like at his improv group, wants to do improv with him because he's terrible at it.
1: That was that was a tough Michael scene. It's hard to walk away liking Michael after that scene, you know. Mm -hmm. Um. uh, So who damn Ken Jong? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yep, he's in there, and I don't think he was like
2: anybody big yet. He wasn't yet. That was yeah. it. Should have been pre um, hangover. Hangover. Yeah, right. Uh,
1: um, and then there's a couple other people I recognize from Upright Citizens Brigade doing like various things. Um, okay. So those are like legit, legit improv people there, um, which is kind of a fun little thing. Like they could have got anybody, you know, but like they wanted to like do it justice by bringing in these real improv people to do the bit.
2: Well, yeah, but you know those real improv people are like, yeah, I would totally love to be on TV, <laughs> you know? Like doing their improv theater thing.
1: Um, yeah, but Michael's such a douchebag during the whole thing. It's like, how do you walk away liking him?
2: Oh, yeah. I and mean, it's going to get even worse come the Christmas episode.
1: Yeah. You know, and I was thinking about that, too, because so, like, he's kind of, so, okay, let's chalk up why Michael's an asshole in this episode. <laughs> okay. So he does the email surveillance, right? And right. everybody feels like they are having their privacy – you know, breached. Mm -hmm. Um, Then he's, I mean, Jim knows that Michael knows and Michael obviously knows and no one's saying anything. And Michael's putting Jim in this place where like Jim has to feel bad about it.
2: Right. He's like, you know, you have, if you're doing anything tonight, just let me know. I'll totally cancel an improv. Yeah. Um, And then in improv, he's a total fart
1: nugget, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, stepping over everybody's scenes and then even when he shows up at the party, like I remember the first time I watched the episode way back, I was like, like, oh, that's nice. You know, like they'll throw Michael a bone. But I was watching it like this week, last week, and I was like, man, like Jim is like being too nice. But you don't get to see the whole party after Jim is being nice to Michael. Right. so you want So like does the rest of the party go okay? Or was that right. just Jim's one time of being nice and everybody's kind of sour that he's there?
2: Well, that and you know he shows up to this party uninvited, mm-hmm. and he just like shows up. No big deal, right? Like he's whatever. Like, take my coat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's a couple background characters at the party I'm most curious about. Like there's there's a blonde girl that looks like she's there with Ryan, but then Ryan starts asking about Katie as soon as he's away from her. So I'm like, is this a sign of Ryan douchebag Ryan coming out?
1: There's a um, there's a blonde woman you see a couple of times in this season who sits in the back in the annex with Toby. She sits behind Toby, like facing the pillar that's behind him. Okay. So like not in the cubicle with Kelly, but closer to the entryway door.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: she definitely never talks. So I was wondering if it's this lady because there's might a be big
2: her. You know?
1: It um, could be her. But yeah, same thing. Like it's weird they keep bringing this lady back, and she's been in a couple episodes. Um, but like Devin, no lines. Uh, and then she's just gone later on.
2: Right. And so like, this is another weird thing that we'll, we'll actually get to in on the Booze Cruise episode. But Ryan brings up Katie and Jim's like, well, I haven't talked to her for a while. Right. So there's obviously a riff. But when Booze Cruise comes around, they're like back together or start talking to each I don't know what's going on there. But, you know, it's definitely, it seems like, it seems like Jim's like, man, I'm just lonely and I need somebody to bone, you know, that kind of thing. Like, it really does seem like, like a, like I'm lonely fuck kind of thing.
1: Well, I wonder if it's also like a thing where maybe they've cooled down a bit and then with the booze crews coming and Jim knowing that Pam's going to be with Roy, like he wanted to bring her as like a like a deflection device, you know?
2: Yeah, maybe.
1: Because, like, a lot of times it's weird because, like, the the nice moments that Jim shares with Roy or Jim – not Jim. Pam shares with Roy or Jim shares with Katie are kind of done in, like, a show-off-y way so the other person kind of sees it, you know? Like, um during the fire – Katie's being like all cute to Jim or whatever and they get into the car and then Pam sees that feels bad and immediately kisses Roy like in a way we never see her kiss Roy
0: right you know? mm-hmm.
1: um, so I almost wonder if he brought her along more as like a you know look what I brought
2: kind of thing you know <laughs> I've got this hot redhead Let's take yeah. that
1: <laughs> um, young Pam it uh, <clears throat> is also the beginning to, well not the beginning but this is like the first of at least two times no three times where Ryan is trying to get with a girl that Jim's already got
2: Right. Yeah. Because he
1: asks about Katie, then he sends Karen a creepy email, and then he blatantly hits on Pam once he becomes uh, whatever the hell Jan's position was.
2: Right, Re- director or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so poor BJ Novak can't catch a break. Uh, so there's there's a mention of Battlestar Galactica in this one, mm. but he calls it battleship something. I don't remember exactly. Battleship <laughs> Galaxy. Well, well, that's it. Yeah. Right, but later in the show, and I think I've mentioned this before, talk, you know. Michael gets really upset. He's like, I wasted so much time watching Battlestar Galactica with you, da 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 you know, and I'm like, so he hasn't watched it yet, we don't think, right. but eventually he does.
1: Well, one, it's a great show. So who wouldn't like Battlestar Galactica? So Michael is just being a nerdist, you know? Yeah. But, uh, well, and even then, again, I just can't get off how douchey Michael is in this episode. But he's like, whatever stupid, and then Dwight corrects him, and then he keeps going, battle, stupid show, whatever you want, you know, and he just like wants to make sure that everybody knows that Michael is above whatever Dwight's presenting him. And it's like, don't you get it, man? You're on the ropes, bro. They're leaving. They're going to a party without you. You got to start making amends.
2: So. Yeah, and I like um, Jim's. Jim's thing about the part is, like, I've got three cases of imported beer, karaoke machine, and no Michael.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Which, the laws are changing now, but especially when this show was made back in PA, you had to buy beer by the case. You couldn't hmm. just buy, like, a six-pack. Right. So, Interesting. Yeah, okay. it, it's annoying. <laughs> I, I sold to deal with it some, and, it, yeah, it's annoying.
1: Um, according to the office.wikia.com, there's an interesting tidbit at the party where Creed is actually wearing the shirt he ends up giving Jim in the next episode.
2: Really? Yep.
1: Which is the uh, infamous buttoned-up flannel that is too small for Jim given to him in a plastic bag.
2: Right. Well, one thing uh, we do get in this uh, episode is the f- first kind of indication that uh, Kevin's kind of a skis. Mm. Where he's like, I've got to delete a lot of stuff. A yeah. lot of stuff. Yeah. I mean
1: it's it's weird because Kevin Kevin is like I wonder if Kevin is way worse than we all feel he is, you know? Like is he like this terrible pervert? Is he borderline mentally disabled? You know, because like when he has to play those roles he does them so well mm. but he's still like this likable idiot. <laughs> Um, Like, Um, we know he's got a big folded poster of a topless Jan from Sandals, Jamaica, you know?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't have a lot of art. I think I'll hang it up. (laughs) So, another thing that might be a little bit of a wreck on, and it actually happens this season, is Kevin is singing karaoke, Mm. and he's bad at it. Like he was doing a terrible job and then, you know, later comes out that he can actually sing and, you know, cause he, you know, he comes out as, you know, the lead singer slash drummer of Scrantonicity.
1: Right. Right. That's true. Um, man, I'm trying to figure, I'm trying to remember what song he sang.
2: I don't remember what song it is either, but it sounded terrible.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing too is like, yeah, he's in Scrantonicity, but is Scrantonicity a good band? Roy likes them. But does that mean anything?
2: Right. But, I mean, you hear him sing later in the show, like, when he has a band with Andy and Daryl. And he's not a bad singer at all. He's not a great singer, but he's better than he was showing off. Yeah, that's fair.
1: Yeah, I just wonder, although maybe, too, maybe it just wasn't his, like, style of music that he was singing. Maybe. Because uh, I'm trying to think. He definitely sings in, uh, that season three, I guess. They have that karaoke party when um, the party planning committee and the committee committee planned parties has that like little separation and he sings that Alanis Morissette song
2: yeah yeah so good yeah
1: and it goes on way too long huh so yeah maybe maybe they didn't know but like you said it is the season though that
2: he's in Scranicity right yeah Uh, well he's in Scranicity for a couple seasons after this but this is when we first find out about it yeah
1: I mean because like Roy hires him as the band Mm. for the wedding and casino night right so, uh, so, yeah, maybe or, or maybe it's just Kevin Bromganer or whatever the hell his name is. Just needed some singing lessons in between this episode and the later episode.
2: Maybe. Uh, there was, what was it? Um, oh, so Meredith is in this episode a lot, but I don't think she actually says anything. Hmm. Like, she never says anything at the party, even though she's you see her a lot, and like Jim talks about her, and it's like there's beer outside, and it's not just for Kelly and Meredith Kelly and Meredith It's also no. in this episode y'all start to see like Kelly start get a bit you know being a bit more kelly like yeah know, becoming more and more not so much in the shell and everything else, yeah,
1: yeah, that's true, yeah maybe maybe Meredith doesn't say a lot, I'm always curious too like how did the creative team behind the office feel about certain characters and up until what point did they feel like they have to stay? I mean, I guess if they start writing lines for them, they're like, all right, well, this is just a character in the show,
2: you know? Right.
1: Um, Because then there's this expendable blonde lady who Ryan may or may not have taken to the party who no one knows who the hell she is. (laughs) But Meredith, yeah, had some pretty you know, pretty important lines thus far. I mean, in the next episode, she flashes Michael, so...
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. she's a big part of the next episode. Yeah. Ugh, the next episode. <laughs> I'm <laughs> oh, a little what? scared to do that yeah.
1: episode. That blonde lady is not part of Nasty Christmas in the next episode, I will say. So. No,
2: no, she's not a part... Yeah, she does not get any gifts. Yeah.
1: So I wonder if this might be her last episode. Maybe.
2: Maybe. Yeah. So I, I did read some interesting tidbits about how when they were filming the party scene, they mm. actually let the actors drink. Like it wasn't, oh. they weren't, they didn't just have like beer bottles. They they were actually being able to drink and they had like a ex. they had like a 360 hooked up yeah. and the actors who weren't really like talking were just actually playing so to so try to give it more of a, a, uh, you know, vibe about having a, an actual party,
1: right? That's kind of cool. I mean, you uh, you learn in all these production sets and stuff, a lot of times, like, actors don't even eat on set. Like, right. they have, like, spit buckets. So, they, they you know, they'll do a shot where they're chewing a burger and then they spit it out and chew again. But drinking booze, that's dangerous, especially for a show <laughs> where you have to do multiple takes of something.
2: <laughs> uh-uh. uh, yeah, and I think we need to, like, pay special attention to the, the whole Michael Scott thing with the improv. But uh, yeah, he's... Always got a gun. Always an FBI agent.
1: <laughs> he does that one time where he jumps. And he's like Michael Schoon. And it's just like, see, it's improv. It's not scarred
2: all the time. It's Scoon sometimes. <laughs> um, and then they like go over the thing. He's like, yeah, it's a it's a mutual friend that we all know from different ways. <laughs> and he just buys it. He's like, yeah, you know what? You guys have fun. I have an office thing actually, which is like sad because he doesn't they don't want him there. One thing I did notice about this episode that I really hadn't noticed before is it's fast-paced. Like this it, this, it never slows down. There's always yeah. stuff going on.
1: Like you said cuz there's no B storyline Like every scene is relevant.
2: Right. Well, yes. So, and one thing I think we got to we got to get to is Jim and Pam in his room. Like it's kind of a it's a pretty big deal, you know. Yep. And I I actually wrote a note. I'm like, Jim should just done it. Like, he's, she, he should have just jumped on top of her right then and there and just got this whole thing over with.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, well, he says it later. He was playing the long game, you know, when uh, Michael starts to fall for uh, Holly. Right. You know, he's like, you know, we fell in love at the office and, you know, you just take your time and whatever. Uh, so it doesn't seem jim's style but that's a good point we could have saved ourselves you know
2: right but but even the next season you know he's about next season next episode he is gonna tell her how he feels but then chickens out
1: yeah well you know and i I guess we'll get there but i don't know why he chickened out
2: i I don't know i think maybe because roy was around
1: yeah maybe but i mean like i don't know what did he expect like it's like the office Christmas party, you know like everybody's kind of there, Daryl's floating around already, um, yeah, I don't know. It just seemed like it was a great time, like that would seems better. Give her a cute card
2: instead of maybe accosting her in your own bedroom, <laughs> but she just had this look about it, like she kind of could feel it too. I'm like, you know what, let's do it, just go for it.
1: <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it definitely would have made a lot of people happy if they just hooked up a lot sooner than the end of season three. It's true, I mean, It's true. We need it though, Jacob, because otherwise, how do we get Karen? <laughs> we need Karen. We need Andy. We need those folks to come by. So,
2: obviously, yeah. obviously hotter than Pam. That's that's what our nickname <laughs> for Karen was <laughs> when she first oh, showed that? up on the show. Was obviously hotter than Pam. Yeah,
1: my uh, yeah. I, I've heard that. I don't know if I can. I, I don't know if I can agree with that. But I've also heard similar thoughts expressed, and I I feel like that's fine because that's just more Pam for me. <laughs>
2: Well no, I, I I prefer the way Pam looks over Karen, but that was that was how that character was written. It was the oh, obviously hotter the Pam. Yeah.
1: That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I mean so what what else is there to talk about here? I mean, it's like you said, it's it's pretty nonstop this episode.
2: Yeah, it's you know, you get good well actually there's not a lot to why you get a lot of Michael progression, you get a lot of well, I guess with the Dwight Angela thing, you got just a lot of progression in yeah. general there, so that's good.
1: Um, and it's told in a fun way, the Dwight Angela thing, because like they're not technically main characters right now. Like Dwight is constantly like this comedic foil or whatever, but like we don't follow Dwight often right now. So to see this romance off on the side, without like, you know, without like insight from the people who are in it yet right it's kind, of, it's kind of fun you know because obviously we see all the cute moments between Jim and Pam when they're doing their talking heads um, but to like watch Pam uncover this terrible <laughs> thing uh, it's kind of fun like that shot of the the shoes
2: yeah uh, at the very end you're like that's like, that's like yeah. in a doghouse or something I know Yeah, it's creepy <laughs> and hardly discreet because they're like right there <laughs> Yeah, they didn't do a good job of trying to hide it early. They were trying to hide it, but they weren't yeah. doing a very good job of
1: it. Do we think that this is the first season they start dating?
2: I think so. But you've got to remember, we're only nine episodes into season two. And there's no mention of it in season one. So... Hmm. It's really you know hard. what I'm thinking
1: of? Hmm. It's just coming to my head. But in Conflict Resolution, it's reported that Angela... Well, it suggested that Angela redacts a bunch of complaints mm-hmm. six months prior to that episode so if six months prior is when she starts dating Dwight then right. Then maybe she f- right yeah so maybe it is this year is when they start dating mm-hmm. okay. okay okay
2: so what are you what are you gonna get anything else are we ready to move the readings
1: yep here we go so I dug this episode but I didn't dig it perfectly so I gave it <laughs> 3.8 out of 5 Birkenstocks. <laughs> which is a weird amount of shoes to have, but that's, that's what I'm going with.
2: <laughs> I love that. How, like, Jim's roommate uh, is, like, so into Dwight. Like, oh my yeah. god, this is unreal. <laughs> yeah, uh, This is, like I said, this is a top 10 for me. Um, this is one of my all-time favorites. So I gave it 4 out of 5 fake terrorists. Ooh. That's
1: huge, yeah uh, I mean it's it's not not I mean three point eight four very close yeah I, I'm pretty much right there with you. I just could give it the four it just didn't feel I felt like there were other things that deserved the four later
2: <laughs> okay so we're uh, we're coming into Christmas party, which is yeah, yeah, uh, season two episode ten, which is the first Christmas party episode, which Pretty much every season has a Christmas episode going forward. Some kind yep. of Christmas episode, yeah. Um, and a lot of times they end up being really big episodes. Season three is being hunted Christmas, which you know ends up being kind of big because that's yep. when Jan agrees to go to Jamaica with Michael. Season four mm. is. I don't remember what season four is. Season five is you know Moroccan Christmas, which is a huge episode. That's yeah, one of my favorite Christmas episodes for sure. But so here we go. Um, uh, it opens. So the main storyline is just you know Christmas party, and we find out that Michael got a huge bonus for firing Devin. as he put it, three thousand G's. Yep. <laughs> um, and he yeah. so they have a, a secret Santa and he buys Ryan an iPod you know but this is way back in the day when that was like a huge deal
1: yeah now this is uh 2005 and they refer to it as a video iPod which just goes to show you like what the different types of iPods were available at the time you know um, because I what I what I would imagine is they were the iPods that looked just like that but they only showed the menu so this was a model that would Playback videos that you downloaded mm. from like movies from the iTunes Store or whatever.
2: Yeah, I I got my first iPod in 2003, and no one knew what it was. Right. right. Like, what'd you get for Christmas? Like, I got an iPod. What's that? Seriously, like, it was another year before like they really became a big deal around college and stuff. And not to go off on
1: a tangent or anything, but I miss those iPods. <laughs> you know, I. I use, I use Spotify and my Android or whatever like that, and my girlfriend's got an iPhone, and it's all dandy. But I missed like a dedicated MP3 player that was as sturdy as an iPod, right. that had as much storage as an iPod, but didn't cost like as much as a touchscreen phone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like they were just they were a great device, and it's a well, damn shame they're gone.
2: <laughs> and like the last iPod, some of them were, like 260 gigs or whatever. It was huge yeah. compared to like all, most phones
1: you getting like 64 gigabytes of memory for a phone. Right. Uh, and that's shared. That's your pictures, and that's your apps, and whatever. Like, this was dedicated music. You could listen to as much Avril Lavigne as you wanted to.
2: <laughs> and we did, on yeah, repeat. Because we were skater boys. <laughs> um, I actually was a skater boy back in the day. <laughs> I,
1: could, I could tell. I could tell. It's, it's radiating from you.
2: <laughs> so, the big... I mean, I don't know if it's, you really want to call it a B-storyline, but the sort of a B-storyline is the whole teapot thing with, between Jim and Pam. Because Jim finally gets uh, Pam, Pam for Secret Santa, and it's the teapot and a hot sauce packet, a boggle pencil. Which we never know why. Yeah. It just says this will take too long to do the card, and I think there's one more thing in there, and the yearbook photo. Yeah, from the previous episode, and so you in the you know the card we see again in the I think in the finale or you know, close to it. Mm. It's one of the last ups, epi- one of the last things. So it's a big it's. seven years later they bring it back to like tie it all together and but you still never get to know what's in it
1: (laughs) right 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 yep that's true um yeah i get it's hard yeah because i guess it would be the b storyline because it like seems really closely integrated into the whole christmas thing Mm -hmm. but it's really only being like dealt with by jim alone right like nobody else knows what the hell's happening yeah so i guess it is the b storyline all right all right i'll give it to you
2: So, I I think we got to get into it just straight away. Michael is terrible in this episode. He is a straight... Because, you know, it was supposed to be a $20 limit. And he went and bought this iPod for Ryan. And he expects the same kind of level of reciprocation from whoever gets him for Secret Santa. And Phyllis knitted him an oven mitt. Mm -hmm. And... It was, and he just treated her like shit for yeah. it. You know? And it's just like, oh, you son of a bitch. And then, you know, he turns the game from Secret Santa to Yankee Swap, which some people refer to as White Elephant or Nasty Christmas. Kind of depends on where you're from, I guess, is what it's referred to. And so everyone obviously wants the iPod, but there's all these, mm-hmm. like, specific people gifts. Like the poster for Angela. Angela. Yep. Which which comes back and is actually the major player in conflict resolution. Like that's yep. what get kind of gets the episode started in conflict resolution. So that's cool that that's there. Um You know, and that's interesting too, because Toby buys it for Angela. Uh-huh. And
1: then Toby has to deal with the conflict resolution between Oscar and Angela about the poster he bought Angela. Right. Huh.
2: <laughs> <Stupid> <laughs> I I just, I just love Toby's, like I felt really weird buying that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, did I, good. did you ever play Nasty Christmas? Yeah, I mean, we yeah we we uh, we did it for like like various stuff in college. Like I was a part of um, campus activities um, used to produce concerts and stuff for my university, and so you know our or the student activities you know group we would do it for like Christmas and stuff. But it was like it was a hard like fifteen dollar limit or something, you know? Like, right.
1: But no one had. 3,000 G's to...
2: Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, and it was massive. more... But it's one of those things where if you know you're doing it, it can be really fun because you get these right. really funky gifts. And Right. You don't end up with secret messages to your secretary crush. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one year, I um, acquired mm. a Waffle House menu, and that was a, that was a pretty big hit.
1: <laughs> oh, that's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I never heard of the game up until this episode. So they're doing it, and I was like, "This is some white people nonsense to me." <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I yeah, that Michael's Michael's being a farty douche here.
2: So is if I I think this is right, but is this the first appearance of the Party Planning Committee?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, no, because um, there's that bit. I think it's in season. One, where Michael has them throw a surprise party for someone whose part birthday is not coming up. That's when Meredith gets her happy birthday card. Right. Um, and we see Angela and Phyllis and Pam. And that's where Angela, I think, says, I think orange is whorish or green. I don't know. She There's a lot of colors she feels that are whorish, essentially whatever Phyllis is wearing at the time. Um, but I think that might be the first one.
2: Great. Right. Okay, this is going to be a small backtrack cause, uh, to the last episode. But there's a weird bit where Angela is drinking wine and Dwight gets a little pissy with her. Oh, yeah? But, yeah, it's it's a very – because she's like, I think it's okay to drink wine. Jesus drink wine. But we, uh, but we know that Dwight will go out and get hammered with his laser tag team. Yeah. Yep. Yep, that's a good point. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, so that might be a retcon, though, because Angela – Says like this sparkling cider is very good during um, mm-hmm. what is that Ben Franklin is that the name of the episode?
0: Yeah, oh, just call
1: it that. Yeah, but um, right and then Pam's like, no, that's champagne, and she spits it back out into the cup. Mm-hmm. So maybe she wasn't as stringent on her alcoholic consumption until later. But it seems like a bit of a retcon. I didn't. I never noticed them little having a little tussle about that.
2: Yeah, I mean it's like you just see them in the back, sort of in the background. You can hear them a little bit talking about it.
1: Jacob told me that he makes, like, tons of notes when he watches this show. And um, I, I do not doubt that he watches each episode with a fine-tooth comb, <laughs> some type of application that will allow him to zoom in and enhance some Jack Bauer shit.
2: So sometimes I, I wish. I, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was even like, with this episode, you can see, if you watch the, in the background, you can see Michael wrapping the iPod. Mm, and getting the package ready. I was like, that's kind of funny. Yeah. And then, you know, again, in this episode, you see Michael being, like, really, really, you know, bitchy about, like, Daryl wanting to be Santa. He's like, have you seen Santa? It just won't be, like, being (laughs) super racist about it.
1: And then he has that great bit where he tries to give Daryl the hat just so he can get in close for a hug to take a picture like I have a black friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: No, no, uh, he He definitely faked him out to try and, you know, make Daryl think he was going to try to kiss him. At least that's what I, that's how I always uh, watched yeah. it. Yeah. I
1: thought it was going to be like, later on when he shows his mom his crazy Christmas party, he could like brag to his mom. it's like, see, I'm friends with people from all over, you know.
2: <laughs> that's another thing. So it gets mentioned a few times, but I don't know if we ever see it, is the cover of the newsletter. Like We hear about this newsletter multiple times, but never get seen ever.
1: I had read somewhere that uh they change like the picture and the headers, but the content always stays the same, and it's always like it's like some type of in joke about the writers writing about the other writers, you know, um, that's, man, I forget what that was, but yeah, there was another bit where they talk about the newsletter where I read that as like a, a fun fact that they shared at, uh, one of those office conventions they had nice. when, the, when the show was still happening. But yeah, we never really see it. It's only like mentioned, right? Like you said, for photos and shiz. Right. Uh,
2: hmm. Oh, there it is. The notes. I yep. saw it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, he, the, there's so many good... I mean, yeah, by the end of this episode, you just want to beat the shit out of Michael. Yeah. But there's so many great, you know, little Michael lines in this episode. He's like, you know, the great thing about gift-giving you just, is you can say, man, I love you this many dollars, dollars worth. worth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so part of me so just feels sorry for, for early Ryan, because it's, it's a little creepy. Michael's well, more than a little creepy towards Ryan.
1: Yeah, it's true.
2: Um, I mean, it does
1: seem to let up a bit because he's like okay with Dwight having it by the end of the episode. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know what Michael's deal is with Ryan. Um, it's weird. <laughs> There's a there's a bit too. So when Dwight officially has the iPod like near the end, and there's like a a wide shot of the whole party and everybody interacting with people because they're drunk now and having a good time. Right. Dwight has the the headphone buds in his elf ears.
2: Yeah, it's a great yeah, shot. Yeah,
1: and I always wondered like, does the director say, hey, we're just going to take some wide b roll shots, everybody just have fun? So does Rain Wilson decide I'm going to put these in my ear and I'm just going to be serious? I just hope I end up in a shot, and like, and it's like you said, it's a great shot. Like, it really makes like that. Well, big. And if
2: you notice, when they're leaving for poor Richards, he's got the buds in his ears underneath the stocking cap. Right? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also, it's probably like during the party, especially once the booze shows up, um, it's you can like you can see Stanley in the background just having a really good time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't see that, you know don't see that too often.
1: Yeah, Stanley definitely is less bitter thus far in the show, but he is going to get
2: there. <laughs> he's, yes, he's going to get there. Um, it's also the first, if I remember right, first reference to Dwight and Paintball. Before now it had just been laser tag, but this is when we bring in Paintball, which is a recurring gag. You yeah. know, it's used for different gags throughout the entire series.
1: There's like a really great, I think it's, part of the blooper reel on the DVDs but um, when Dwight is doing that b-roll shot of him shooting the targets Mm -hmm. they replace the target with a poster for 40-year-old virgin and he's like damn you Steve Carell thinking you're better than us and he's like pelting it with (laughs) paintballs it's so funny
2: okay so I got some weird tidbits of of knowledge for you so so Michael goes and buys 15 bottles of vodka right Mm -hmm. He, he spent a hundred and sixty-six dollars. So I did the math. It's eleven dollars a bottle for giant things of vodka. I don't even know if that's McCormick's level vodka. That's that's step up from paint thinner or something. Yeah, it's got to be terrible. Well, it's like that plastic-handled college kid vodka, you know? Yeah. He's <laughs> the <Yeah. laughs> the guy, and I don't know. I don't know if it's still a law, but it used to be a law here in Pennsylvania that if you sold liquor, you had to wear a tie.
1: Oh, well, he was kind of dressed up nice, though. Yeah, but yeah. That, it, it was, it, but was, it it was
2: is or was a law here that you have to wear a tie to sell booze.
1: Wow. That's so weird.
2: Yeah, and all, all of the liquor stores here are still state-run, so they're, like, they're government agencies, so they're, right. re- they're weird. Um, okay, and there, there's an exchange between... Uh, Roy and Daryl about fantasy football yep. and how Daryl traded Sean Alexander for defense. Yep, Sean Alexander was far and away the best fantasy player that season. Like it was a big mistake for Daryl to trade Sean
1: Alexander. <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, I wonder at the time of them shooting the episode, was that information that was known yet or not yet?
2: I mean, you no, well, by the end of the season, I don't know when this would have been shot, but it would have been... Because it, like, aired in... Um, it aired December 6th. So it was probably
1: shot... I mean, it was probably shot
2: before the NFL season actually started.
1: So it's, like, information they didn't have. And then mm. so it becomes funny right. once real-world starts happening. Huh? Right. Um, well, Roy disagrees with his thoughts on <laughs> on that move anyway, so...
2: Well, Roy was very right. <laughs> you yeah. should not have traded Sean Alexander for defense. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, what else do you got? Yeah, you got anything else
2: here? Oh, I got, I got a lot of stuff here. Okay. Uh, so we have the whole like after after everyone's getting all crazy and stuff. Uh, Michael's like, here, give it up to Ryan, king of the party planning committee. And Angela mm. gives him this look that if looks could kill, he would have just exploded. Yeah. <laughs> there would have been nothing left. Just, you know, stumps at the knees, and that was it.
1: <laughs> it was. It's one of my favorite Angela shots. It's her outside throwing the ornaments at the wall. They're, like, not breaking on impact. <laughs> Which, like, obviously is, like, because they're probably, like, non-shatter ornaments. But I also right. like to think that she's so, like, tiny and dainty that she just can't throw things with enough force.
2: Well, that's kind of a, a reoccurring joke. Yeah. But especially you get it in season three with the... Um, no, you get it in stress relief with the, the fake fire that Dwight starts. She only it's weighs like, like 92, 82 pounds, something like that. I only weigh 86 pounds.
1: Yeah. Um. Uh, well, and then also there is Boys and... No, not Boys and Girls. It's Women's Appreciation. Is that season three? Right. Mm-hmm. Um. Where they all go to the mall and she explains that she wears clothes from American girl dolls, like the large large colonial dolls. dolls. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, so she's she's like a little tiny little person.
2: Yeah, at the end of the episode we see the whole like Pam actually gets her gift. And like like I said before, it's all in the eyes with Pam, but she just looks so happy. Mm. She she plays it so well. Like more than all I think it's one reason why people really like the relationship so much, but it's one of the few things on television where I really honestly believe that character is in love with that other character right she, you know, they she does it so well e- even better than Krasinski does Jim you know but yeah.
1: um, well there's like a there's like a pretty popular like story about how I think Jim might have been hired well, – like so John was hired as Jim first, I think. Right. And then he was sitting in with all of the other potential Pams or whatever. And after Jenna Fisher went, like he had a little one-on-one with her. Like, he's like, you're my favorite Pam, you know. And then um, when John was like officially offered the role, he's like, who got Pam? And then same deal. And they were like wishing that the other person had got it, and they did. So I think – it's like probably like super easy for them to like do those like loving moments in the eyes and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff because uh I think there's probably like a loose, you know, Harry Potter actor type love between them, you know? Nothing untoward. Nothing raunchy, you know. I'm not saying anybody's diddling anybody.
2: <laughs> right.
1: But um yeah, you know, I think
2: um Well so, something yeah. recently, Jenna Fisher came out and said, I think it was maybe on our on our Twitter or Instagram or something, it was she was like I honestly I honestly can say that the part of me that is Pam completely did love Jim. Right. So there was there was a part of her that you know actually had some real emotions towards this fictional character named Jim.
1: Yeah, she says and those parts of us were genuinely in love with one another. And that and everybody was like crazy because like both of them are married to people. Yeah. And then and then John came out and had this whole quote about how it was like misquoted or taken out of context. And she was saying something about how nice our acting relationship was. But like also, too, it's like, can you imagine like Emily Blunt sitting at home being like, what is this shit,
2: John? (laughs) It's like, I'm going to go full metal bitch on this girl. I'm a little surprised because we didn't because we see um, Pam's husband, well, Jenna Fisher's husband in the series at one point.
1: Her her current husband? Because I think she got divorced at some point.
2: Uh, That's I uh, become TMZ here. They were married at the time. Gotcha. I don't know if they still are, but whoever she was married to at that time, you oh, see... she she was married to James Gunn
1: for eight years.
2: The well, so dude definitely...
1: directed Cards of the Galaxy,
2: right? Uh, and then uh, I'm a little surprised we didn't get any Emily Blunt in the uh, in in the office at some point, just in the background or whatnot. Yeah,
1: she's got she's i think she might be more high profile than the director but that would have been sweet (laughs) especially like as like david Brent's secretary or something during
2: that one bit where um ricky gervais shows up yeah that would have been pretty good yeah also this episode first appearance of bob vance yeah yeah Uh, and
1: ryan's got that great (laughs) bit where he's all like so what do you do, bob after like three introductions of bob vance for church
2: what a lot of work you were bob (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and everyone just kind of smirks. <laughs> it yeah. was pretty funny, but yeah, I think that's about it. Um, yeah, pretty. The the uh, the gift giving starts at four thirty p.m. So they're there at the office for a while, and I really don't know if they should have gone to poor Richard. It seemed like they were all kind of. Kind of uh, loosey goosey with the booze there. <laughs> yeah, most yeah. of them probably should not have been driving.
1: Meredith definitely, because she's clearly still drunk at the time of leaving the office.
2: Yes. Yeah, and you know, she tries to, you know, bang Michael, which is weird. I don't know why. Maybe she just thought it'd be easy to do, so she tried. But well,
1: she later on says, and I believe her, that she does not remember it. <laughs> There's like a bit where Michael's like freaking out about it. I guess listing like terrible things that everybody's done to him right and and she's like i don't remember that and i think she probably really doesn't i think it might just be like muscle memory (laughs) i'm drunk take off your shirt kind of thing (laughs)
2: um
1: todd packer's in this episode
2: yeah for a little bit Um, and he he, like passes out and then you have jim just spray like putting silly string on his head like hair and he (laughs) he just gives that that jim look that. I know, that's probably
1: the most gym ish look he does. Like, it's long. He looks at the camera, full shoulders, even incorporates some of his arms a little bit. Like, it's a huge
2: gesture. You can tell he's just, like, so happy to be doing it to Todd Packer because he hates Todd Packer so much.
1: I I will say, though, and I know it's not original, but Todd Packer's mistletoe over his crotch is pretty
2: great. (laughs) We all need
1: one of those guys at the party.
2: (laughs) What's weird, though, is... I cannot remember the guy's name who plays Todd Packer.
1: But like, David Kochner.
2: I, I think is it's just like a, a testament to him because the other stuff he does, mm. he's really good in like he um he will fill in for like different like sports radio programs and do an excellent job with that kind of stuff. And like yeah. I've watched it before and I'm like, huh. This is weird. I'm used to you being an asshat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, his
1: champ, whatever the hell, in Anchorman, he's, like, one of my favorite of, like, the four people in that crew because he, like, is such a – he is like, such a roller coaster of emotions because he's, like, the sports guy. Mm-hmm. Like, he cries the most also. <laughs> yeah, no, he's so good and he's so likable and then he's such a terrible person in the show. And he gets a lot more screen time in season – what whatever the Tallahassee season is.
2: That's what? Five seven? or six. No, seven? no, it's, it's got to be six. Six. Five is Michael Scott Paper Company. Six is Sabre, so it would be seven. Because Rob of California is there, and Michael doesn't leave till the end of season six. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, so seven makes sense. God, the fact I know that off the top of my head is a little disturbing, but I'm also doing a podcast about this show. That, so. That's why we do it, bro. <laughs> that's why we do it. Uh,
1: um, also, real quick fun fact, Bob Vance, is, the actor who plays Bob Vance, his name is Bobby Ray Schaefer.
2: <laughs> Just a cool name. That is a cool name. That's like a that, that that's a that's a high quality nickname right there.
1: Yeah, damn right. <laughs> all right, uh, so what do you got? You want to do some ratings here?
2: Yeah, I'll do some ratings. Uh, I I really enjoy this episode. It's really funny. Um, just all around good episode. Hmm. Uh, and I'm going to give this a three out of five teapots and noses. Nice. Um, you know I
1: like it generally, but. It, it's coming off a streak where Michael's still annoying the crap out of me. And, and I just want to say this, too. The first time I watched the show, I liked Michael the whole time. It's not until, like, the 1,003 watch where I'm like, hey, Michael's kind of a shithead sometimes. And uh, so me feeling negatively about him last episode, then watching this one, he's not great. So I ended up giving this episode a 2.5 out of 5 oven mitts.
2: Man, that's low. It's that's low. I, it's I, low.
1: I, I uh, Oof. I, just, I mean, not a lot happens. It's, you know, it's an entertaining enough, but Jim doesn't give her the note. Michael doesn't learn nothing by the end of the party except to get people drunk. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's, it's fun. It's fine. It sets the pace for the rest of the Christmas episodes. But I just got to say it's probably not the best of this lot that we got this week.
2: And so I, it kind of makes me wonder if they change the HR rule or if they just decide to start ignoring it. Because pretty much every Christmas party going forward. There's booze. There's definitely one in season three, you know, because they have the margarita machine and everything. Yep. So I, I kinda kinda wonder if that policy change happens.
1: Well it's interesting too, because when Todd shows up, Michael's like, You want a drink? Toby's gonna get you, and Toby's walking over with his bottle to like pour Todd a drink. So like, yeah, maybe Toby's just like Screw what it. can I do? What can I do?
2: Yeah, I might as well play the game. All right. So we're going into episode 11 of season two, Booze Cruise. This is probably one of the more important episodes of the entire season. Um, mm. It really sets up Casino Night. I mean, the, this is the the one of the big setup episodes for the big finale of the season. Um, lots of things, lots of things keep coming out of this episode. Because eventually Pam finds out about it and Roy finds out about it. It's, it's a big deal. Lots mm-hmm. of things happen. So there's really no B storyline here either. Um, so Michael is it's the first quarter camaraderie event, and Michael's taking them on a booze cruise of Lake Wallam Yep. Which I remember one day, my bro- older brother was doing stuff in that part of the world. He's like, dude, I just. Just saw Lake Wall and pack. <laughs> he texted me like <laughs> in the middle of the day. It's, it was pretty funny. Uh, but uh, we have one of the great cold opens with the vending machine where Jim puts well, all of Dwight's stuff in the vending machine. Yeah. And Pam buys Dwight's uh, pencil cup, pencil cup yep. which is on reception's desk until the end of the series.
0: Yeah.
2: So he... Never moves like it's always being used from the rest. So that's a great, nice bit of continuity. Go like for the entire show.
1: And it shows like Dwight's respect for, um, uh, you know, like capitalism. Like Pam bought it fair and square. nice, yes. and he doesn't fight it. Um, I will say I do feel kind of bad that like. I bet it's one of those pranks where, like, if you really think about it, it probably took Jim longer to set up than it will take Dwight to fix it. Because you know that vending machine's lowest denomination of coin acceptance is probably nickels.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: His wallet was a dollar, which means he only had to put 20 nickels in, and Jim gave him a damn bag. you know. And then by the time he's got his cash, he could just start ordering stuff all over the place. So I feel like I, I, it's one of those moments where like, Jim, you probably should have spent your time running cable up the telephone
2: pole. <laughs> oh, he does after a while. <laughs> uh, so this is... So, Michael sends out a, a memo saying you need a toothbrush, a bathing suit, and something else. I don't remember what else. A ski a mask. A ski
1: mask. Yeah.
2: Right. And so, we see this point where Kelly, she's like, I, but I bought a bathing suit and we don't need it. Uh, he, she's trying to basically get Michael to reimburse her for this bathing suit that she was told she needed but didn't actually need. And later on... When Michael tells everyone he got engaged to Holly, I guess he tells Kelly that she can be a bridesmaid, so she buys a dress, huh. and then she tries to get the money back and can't do it either. So it's at least twice, if not multiple times, where Kelly gets told that she needs to buy clothes, and then told that she wasted her money and Michael won't reimburse oh. her
1: for it. Yeah. It's true. Um, well... I mean, Kelly seems like a bit of a shopaholic anywho, uh, so she probably doesn't need the reasons. That's probably why she's so quick to jump on uh, these new opportunities.
2: Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's definitely something that you see when she's leaving, sort of leaves the show in season eight or nine, because mm-hmm. she she, ba- she doesn't make it all the way to the end of the show. I mean, she leaves kind of early. Uh, the character is with the doctor, and they go to the University of Miami in Ohio, and she's, like, throwing her clothes around to, like, different people yeah. and stuff. Uh, well, one thing I uh, got to gotta bring up is Kevin's, like, packing. It's something I never noticed before. I don't know how. But Kevin's packing up his bag. He's got, like, a string of, like, nine or ten condoms. I'm like, wow, that's an optimistic dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, man. And so, like, I guess at this point, either Stacy isn't in the picture or no, no. No, I think she's still around. Did, did she already break up? Maybe him and Stacy were going to start on the ship or something. I don't know.
1: Um yeah, no, I feel because I feel like it's a bit of a thing when Kevin says Stacy left me. I think maybe it happens around Valentine's Day or something.
2: I just can't well, the, yeah. Yeah, when that, that that might be coming up. Yeah, I, I, so
1: but maybe they just one of those things, like, you know. Just not worth coming along, you know? Right. Because Stanley brings his wife, and obviously Jim brings Katie, and then Roy already works for Dunder Mifflin. Though Roy and Daryl seem to be the only warehouse people there. No Lonnie or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm trying to think if anybody else comes. But I guess we really will not know.
2: Stanley's wife comes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see her. Terry. Terry
1: terry seen a woman is not seen
2: father. multiple times but never ever talks yeah
1: yeah that's true and then divorced because stanley's a big old cheater
2: no did they ever actually get the i guess the very end i think they got divorced but she was around i mean she she let the affair happen like he had both of them really i thought they split uh huh. oh well, never mind then. I think it was a big deal when the third woman came out. <laughs> for, yeah, yeah, that for, makes for Stanley. sense. Uh, there's there's a great scene where they're in the conference room and Michael, you can tell Michael's like sort of one track mind where he's talking about like you know, the ship being the sails and he just wants to refer to it <laughs> as, you know, Titanic. Yeah. And... You see this happen a couple of times, but the way Jim and Pam screw with them is just hilarious. Yeah. Jim's like, "Uh, are you sure you got the name of the the movie right? (laughs) Titanic? Leonardo DiCaprio? Pam jumps in like, I think you're thinking about the hunt for Red October. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and that bit too, just like your sales comment,
1: like, I, I just always wonder what's wrong with Michael. Is it because he isn't paying attention Or is it because, like, he's dumb? Or is he being classist or racist or something? Because then Daryl says, what if the sales department is the sales? Makes total sense. right? But Michael's like, yes, (laughs) Daryl, sales does sales. Like, not listening to him at all, but I wonder if he just thinks so little of Daryl's opinion as a warehouse guy that he's all like, there's no way Daryl's contributing valid information here. So I'm just going to disregard
2: I think it's more of a Michael's just in his own universe.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, I'm coming off of not liking Michael for two episodes. <laughs> so he says something like that. I'm like, you idiot.
2: they
1: <laughs> are <laughs> like, yeah, the sales of the furnace. Like, furnace? How old is this shit? <laughs> yeah. Well, then he's all like, they're down there singing their ethnic songs. Well, mm. wait,
2: maybe that should be the warehouse. Yeah, that should be the warehouse. Yeah. You could definitely tell he didn't think about it at all. Yeah, it's true. He was just trying to make some shit up for this girl from corporate. And it he was tried just bad to have an
1: improvisation.
2: Yeah, and <laughs> so you have you have Michael doing that stuff, and you know Jim's like, you know, I bet you my entire paycheck that within the first hour sits on the front of the boat and says he's king of the world.
1: Yeah, and it's like they haven't even pulled away from the dock before Michael does it. Right. Yeah, like the film crew is still on shore <laughs> watching
2: Michael t- pull away, and he's
1: like, I'm the king of the world. <laughs>
2: Yeah. And then you have you have the scene where they're boarding the ship and, you know, Michael's name is, like, we have the Professor and Ginger and Marianne and the Globetrotter. is like, I'm the Skipper. Dwight, you can be Gilligan. Dwight gives the fist pump. He's like, super happy. And then um, Captain Jack is like, it's like I, I'm the Skipper of this ship. You can be Gilligan. And he's like, I would yeah. rather die. And then you see, like, do I turn around and get kind of pissy about it
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> in the background? So,
1: you know, again, man, I'm just like shitting on Michael this podcast episode, and I don't mean to. I'm one of Michael's biggest supporters, but when he's doing the Gilligan's list, he calls Kelly
2: like the, the native. native or something. Yeah, comes so come from other islands. Yeah, just a terrible racist man. <laughs> he really <laughs> is. Like that's something I'm noticing more now on this. Yeah. Like he's just like really, really racist, and it's like you feel bad because he's like
1: dumb, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's not experienced in the world, and it's one of those situations where like, can you give him some credit because he's ignorant? Like not maybe by his own fault, but there's other times too where you're just like, you suck, Michael.
2: <laughs> like educate yourself, bro. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's it's something we've touched on, but. Especially after um, the Halloween episode from season one, where you understand just how alone Michael is. Right. You know, his only interactions are, like, television and stuff. Right. And this was still, like, early internet, so you can kind of give him a little... Like, a lot of people were still on, like, dial-up back in 2005, you know? Right, right. So, I mean, there, there is some of that lack of availability, but still, you can definitely tell that, like... I think it's just a good job on the actors and writers part of yeah. really showing that he is secluded from society. Like he doesn't really have friends. You know, the, everything in his head is a movie. Uh, we see that. Um, you know, we see that more in because we were uh, we were. I watched the first part. Stress really for right before I uh, we can I came down to start the podcast, but you see that in that episode and just everything about him he tries he wants it to be cinematic he wants it to be crazy and you know go just like the movies and everything else and you just can't you know it's right it's not reality but he doesn't see it that way yeah there's
1: that um one bit in man what's the name of the episode is it like quality assurance um where there's the um Cartoon mouse and duck having intercourse as a watermark <laughs> on paper, yeah. and then um, he's like going to do like the grand apology in front of like the one reporter, and he's like, "We should have YouTube come down because <laughs> like he just doesn't get how things work, right? And he thinks like YouTube is a production company.
2: Well, they are now, so he's just ahead of his time. <laughs> That's true.
1: He's just too forward-thinking.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe may- maybe Michael is a genius. <laughs> we just like don't like Stanley know. thinks. Yep. <laughs>
1: Um. So, let me see here. Yeah. So Roy and Daryl, the only two warehouse guys who show up, and they kind of bro out. There's that pretty great snorkel shot. Snorkel shot. Snorkel shot. <laughs> um. I am not a big drinker, so I couldn't imagine how easy or hard that would be. I feel like probably hard. It's not really conducive for airflow, like or liquid flow either. Right. It's kind of made to not do that. <laughs> Being a snorkel and all. Um, but there's a lot of Katie in this episode. And like you said, it's
2: the first time we've seen her in a long time. Mm -hmm. And the last time we see her.
1: That's true. Because eventually Jim throws her over the boat. (laughs)
2: Um, (laughs) Before we get there, I do want to talk about like Michael and like how he's like trying to run this, like the booze cruise is like, dude, it's not your (laughs) Mm -hmm. me. He's just so oblivious to the fact that there's other people there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so he, he starts like starts trying to do stuff, and Captain Jack is like, "Nope, dance contest." Okay, well, have a motivational dance contest, and then he wow. starts dancing, and everybody just like walks off the floor, and just watching everyone's faces, you can tell that they're they're just done, like done with Michael. They're they're they're, 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 they're so done with the whole thing.
1: <laughs> he does commit though.
2: He does Don't commit
1: appreciate that. That knee slapping dance he does. Mm. He, uh, you know, he's he's really trying to make sure there's a lesson. I mean it's probably just poor planning on his part, right? right? But I wonder if Captain Jack and him got off on the wrong foot. So Captain Jack maybe is being like a little too tough. You know, maybe he could have given Michael some like a quiet space somewhere, you know, at the back of the ship or whatever, so they could have their thing.
2: Oh, well, I guarantee you if they had asked for it, they would yeah. have gotten it, you know.
1: Yeah. But but Michael Mike? shows up with the hat.
2: Right. <laughs> Yeah. Robert goes like get the hell out of here <laughs> and then you know Jim and Pam go outside <laughs> one thing I gotta give them credit for they did they did make it look like they were actually cold even yep. though they weren't because <laughs> yep. this is a shot in LA yep. where it's never cold <laughs> and, but, there is, but you know, they say something and Pam, no Pam Jim just stops and looks at Pam and he just does a great job of portraying that oh that just yearning a broken yearning for somebody that is just so powerful to me like watch like oh man i know how you feel buddy i've been you know Uh, i I think we've all had that one person that we just wanted so bad and just couldn't have
1: yep yep and you're right john portrays that facially very well and it's like a long pause i think the question it, it that is pam leaves pause. is like what's it like dating a cheerleader
2: <laughs> that and exchange it, uh, was hilarious uh, like no before, before when she's that. doing the uh cheer and like pam's bobbing her head and like looking at jim trying to make fun uh, of him for dating a cheerleader this that that whole part right there is a massive retcon because you know it's like oh pam was miss artsy fartsy which that stays the same but then like, we learned that she played college volleyball, which you got to be a hardcore athlete to do that.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of retcon. I mean, Pam playing volleyball is probably one of, like, the weirdest things for her character to do. Because in that one bit um, job fair or something like that, um, where they go to Pam's old high school to do, like, the job fair for all the high school kids. Right. She says that she's got so many fond memories, pretending to have PMS during
2: various right gym up playing volleyball, and yeah, right, explicitly naming volleyball
1: as one of them. So her playing volleyball later on is like kind of weird.
2: Yeah, it's just out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, um,
1: and you know the the interaction between Roy and uh, Katie is also like. Like a fun reminder of how small Scranton probably is in terms of like a small town, you know. Mm-hmm. And that like Roy remembers the high schools he played in high school when he was on football, you know. And that Katie remembers her cheer, because like Jim feels um, around the time where Pam starts planning her wedding, that like people just kind of get stuck there and like they need to leave or whatever, you
2: know.
0: Right.
2: I mean, I can understand like remember because I, mean, I played. High school basketball. and I still remember a lot of the teams we played, and because mm. we played the same teams every year, pretty much. Sure, so sure. yeah, uh, and certain teams you hated, certain teams you didn't mind playing. Right, right. Uh, like your rivals, I guess. Right, you're right. So you remember those kind of like the big games, like you. Me- there's like one one homecoming game I remember in particular that was really good, and you know that kind of stuff. So I don't like. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a slight that or a sign that roy is stuck there that he remembers it it's just
1: i mean he definitely is stuck there but yeah maybe he's not like commentary on that type of lifestyle
2: and, and come on yeah. we would all remember amy adams in a cheerleader cheerleader outfit
1: <laughs> sure that's true that's true uh, i i was a punk rocker jacob and i did not subscribe to all that sports silliness <laughs> because that's what the man wanted bro um, yeah, so I probably don't remember the teams that we played. I guess that's probably why it stuck out to me. Well, like,
2: yeah, but you weren't—you were just a fan or whatever, or right. you weren't a fan. But you know, when you're actually playing the games, it's easier to remember. Then you,
1: yeah, right. yeah, because you're seeing the jerseys coming at you or whatever, right? Right.
2: Yeah. And, All right, you got me. <laughs> it, I I didn't look at look up if they allowed people to drink in this episode, but Roy does a really good job of acting drunk. It, yep. it is very very uh like you believe that he's drunk. Mm-hmm. So, I I got to give him credit. Like I think we don't really talk about it, but Roy is actually a better actor. I think we give him credit for. Oh yeah. You yeah, know, he he really well, portrays that stupid warehouse worker pretty well.
1: And and he, you know, I think an important thing when we're when we do this show is always like looking at like growth of characters and stuff. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And um, Roy definitely goes through a very interesting story arc, you know? Right. Where, like, he is this, like, he's Roy, and then he gets broken up with. And he's got his, like, DWI experience. He's, like, healthier and, like, physically looks different. Mm-hmm. And then getting back with Pam. And then, like, he has, like, one of the more, like, uh, two of the, like, the more serious moments in the show, really, where he attacks Jim right and he gets pepper sprayed and then he throws like the beer bottle in, in poor richards right which is like this kind of sign of like this like violence and instability or whatever mm-hmm. um so he's like this funny character but also he's like this terrifying character and that's like a lot of weight for this dude to play and he does it really well cuz you never walk away being like well that was weird you're just like damn roy's scary you know <laughs> roy yeah, is scary yeah. no so he does a really great job of like putting all those hats on
2: Right. Yeah, he does a really good job of it. Um, so I think I think we got to hit we got to hit the breakup. Yeah. Maybe the that's one of my favorite exchanges in the entire series. I think it's the, the way. Why, why am I even here? Well, and the way that like the uh, Krasinski slash Jim just like it's completely flat. There is no. It's just. She's like, "Do you ever think we'll be like that someday?" Because she obviously is really into Jen, right? And he's like, "Nope. What? What's wrong with you? Why am I even here? I don't know. Let's break up. Just flat, completely flat. It's so good. Yeah. And then all the crazy awkwardness that follows. But that that one scene, to me, that's probably the best breakup on television ever. <laughs> like, it is so good. Yeah, it's pretty good.
1: Um, I think in the beginning of season four, you see flashbacks of Jim and Karen breaking up. Um, because at the end of season three, it ends with him, like, coming into the room and asking Pam out on a date, which is, like, classic jam moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think in episode one of season four, um, you see – I think it's that episode. But anyways, there's a flashback of, like, Karen coming back from the city and then yelling at Jim – in, like, the break room. Right. Um, and then, like, talking about how, like, then she, like, left, left her desk. Mm-hmm. So Jim obviously has, like, a, a pattern of not being good at breaking up with women. Like, in, like, ways to save their feelings, you know? He abandons Karen in the city. He breaks up with Katie on a boat. I, that, that's... Yeah.
2: It's a douchey move. Yeah. yeah you, not, and they nothing. have that scene later where they're just kind of sitting there. Like, mm-hmm. they're trapped. They cannot yeah. get away. They right. probably even rode together. Like <laughs>
1: yeah. That's a good point, yeah.
2: And it's not like there was Uber back then. She <laughs> can't just like call an Uber and go home. She's gotta figure out like a cab or or have to ride home with Jim. And... Yeah. Yeah, super awkward. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like you know she's probably a little drunk, and so she's probably really happy, really feeling good, and has this like bombshell dropped on her. So like the, the emotional swing is devastating to her I would assume and
1: yeah well like you said too it's maybe it's weird for her to even ask if Jim thinks that could be them in the future given that in email surveillance they haven't hung out a lot recently you know
2: right you know right and and that's so maybe maybe she was just happy or trying to get a feel for the relationship you know Mm -hmm. women if you listen to this podcast don't do that don't if, if you want to get a feel for the relationship don't do it that way, that's a bad way to do it, but it could could have been that um it's hard to say, but it did it did seem kind of like random that she would ask that question then,
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean again, unless it's one of those like weird like timing things in terms of like when stuff happened like they aired out of order or whatever could be, but even so it's one of one of those episodes is gonna be them not seeing each other for a while before they break up so
0: yeah
2: right i mean it, it definitely set it up but the producers have said that if they would known how big of a deal she would have become they would have figured out a way to kept kept her in the show yeah <laughs> at least for a while uh, then we have the whole bit with uh michael it's like all right i'm gonna motivate some people It's like look the ship's sinking we're gonna be yeah. at the bottom of the lake in five minutes, and like Captain Jack comes out, and he's super pissed. Well, and, then,
1: and he was just about to bang Meredith, right? Meredith, well, we, is shirtless. Yeah, underneath with just a life preserver on.
2: <laughs> so you you got to assume that you know Captain Jack eventually got his, and Meredith yeah, you know, got hers. I mean, do
1: people bang Meredith because Meredith will bang anybody, or are we to believe that Meredith is like a hot commodity in this universe?
2: Uh, I mean, there are times when Meredith. I think she she dresses poorly, so that hurts her hurts her look a bit. Right. It's like if you in email surveillance, she's wearing like you know some jeans and a nice you know black top, and she looks okay. Mm. I mean, not really my jam, but she looks all right. Yeah, she wears a lot of those like.
1: Like self-knit mom sweaters, like yeah, things with like little characters on them, and like alls and stuff like that. Yeah, yep. All right. Well, I mean, you know, Rob Riggle, you feel like he'd have choices,
2: <laughs> and he ends up with Meredith. So, well, me sometimes you just got to take the low-hanging fruit. Yeah, I think we but, all, well, most most of us have that one person. We're like, man, I probably shouldn't have done that.
1: <laughs> I think I was that person for a lot of people. <laughs> I was the I was the mistake. Um, um but yeah, no, so Michael says his bit. People who aren't part of Dunder Mifflin start abandoning ship. Right. Well not really I guess technically it's just one main dude, right? Right, one because, dude jumps yeah.
2: jumps off. Um yeah, which is
1: great. And then he gets put in the brig, which is essentially <laughs> with like a zip tie handcuff outside the railing. Which could be dangerous if it was as cold as they were saying it was
2: supposed to have been. Right. But, um I mean, January in Pennsylvania is not warm at all, yeah, <laughs> so it's not uncommon for it to not get above freezing for the entire month, yeah, at I least mean, here in you, Pittsburgh, I don't know about Philly area, uh, Grand
1: Philly. I was gonna say, and um, you ever watch Zach and Mary make a porno
2: yeah i i've I've seen it once, but yeah, that takes place in
1: Pittsburgh, and then the first scene is like. During their high school reunion, which is just before Thanksgiving, so we're talking November, and it's as cold as they were saying in that shot. You know, like windows frozen shut and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so if we're talking January on a lake, yeah, that's gonna crossbite is a real, real thing.
2: But it's a lot closer to the Atlantic, which has the Gulf Stream. So maybe it's you know the weather's a lot different because here in Pittsburgh, man, we're we're just there's no there's nothing to help us stay warm. Yeah, that's true. <laughs>
1: Um, what, while Michael's in the brig, that's where the secret is revealed.
2: Right. And so this is we've talked about it before, talk about it again. Like I can't, I don't know how to feel about the advice because the, the advice in some, some respects that Michael gives Jim is pretty good. It's like BFD, engaged ain't married, you know, don't ever give up. If you want to if, if it's someone you love, don't ever give up, which in a lot of respects is great advice. But in a lot of respects, it's terrible advice. Because one, sometimes one of the most important things you can learn to do in relationships is know when to walk away. But I think that, I don't know how I feel about someone saying, look, try and break up an engagement. You sure. know,
1: I. Well, Michael, that advice from Michael sounds, it's more like general. I don't think he's taken into account who. Like I like, yeah. I don't think he's analyzing Roy and Pam's relationship. It sounds like he's just like saying, "Do what you want to do." Right. I used to share similar advice in high school, where I said, "Just because there's a goalie doesn't mean you can't score." (laughs) Um, But I wasn't a great person in high school because I was a punk rocker man. Um, Yeah. No. So, but also too. Yeah, that's a good point. Should we even be taking Michael's advice at all? I mean, who has he successfully dated thus far in the show? It's true. Nobody, nobody. Um,
2: you know, in, I, I, there are times when, like you, you should right. Like there are times when it is best that you do break somebody up and get with them because you're better for them, etc. And obviously, this case in this show, and that's how it's written. But sometimes I d- I don't know how to feel about it because I've definitely had people try to like break me and a girl up before, and that sucks. <laughs> So, I don't know, I I always get, like, conflicted now. I mean, we do know Pam and
1: Roy, though, weren't great. Right. Roy was holding her back. He wasn't a great partner or whatever. So, I mean, I think the advice would have been better if Michael seemed like he was referring specifically to them. But, um, yeah, no, probably not best practice moving forward to break up any engagement just because you like the other person. (laughs)
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a hard thing, you know. At least I know personally. I, I've only I've only tried to break up one relationship, but uh, maybe or maybe not I should have done that. But I did try once. <laughs> it didn't didn't go so well. Yeah. Yeah. I had to go back to college, so things kind of fizzled out.
1: Okay. All right. We'll get to know everybody. Uh, tweet us your thoughts about Jacob's uh, Playboy past.
2: <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is a great episode, in my opinion. Uh, you get lots of character development. I mean, this moves. This is a seismic shift for a lot of relationships that start, well, it starts to shift. You know, this is the start of Jim really going after Pam, all that stuff, you know, because he breaks up with Katie, and it's, I, I kind of have the feeling that he's like, you know what, I'm not going to date anybody else because I just want Pam. Mm. Yeah, and so I feel like he it changes his life, and then you know Pam gets in, you know engaged again. Right. And like, Michael's like Roy said, the first one didn't count. Oh, tough. <laughs> yeah, you know I might I might go the other way because you're
1: right. A lot of important information is revealed here, but before the season's over, Jim tries to go to Australia during Pam's wedding. Mm-hmm. So he definitely has a moment where he's like, it's over.
2: Right. Also. Right, right. You know, you do have that. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is a good point. Like, like, it feels like Jim gives up and, like, renews his, like, strength for Pam. Yeah. Every yeah. episode, although it's like he gives up and he doesn't give up. Yeah,
1: because they have some weird moments moving forward. I mean, we'll get to them, you know, and... um some other episodes or whatever, but, you know, there's bits where there's complaints about Pam. I mean, Conflict Resolution is the episode just before Casino Night. Right. And in that episode, Jim and Pam are not doing very well throughout that episode because mm-hmm. they're kind of grumpy at each other. Um, and I think there's a couple other bits moving forward that are like that. I mean, I guess this must also... Did we already do the Michael Skarn episode?
2: Yes. Yeah, right. That was, so, like, that was like the second episode of season two, or third episode, or something.
1: Jacob, it's hard. Okay, man, it's hard. Uh, no, but so so they go in and out of being good and bad and stuff like that. Yeah, so.
2: and, and that's pretty. That's a pretty common theme for the entire second season, is them yeah. going back and forth between loving each other and hating each other, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah.
1: So what's what's your rating for this one then?
2: Uh, like I said, it's a great episode. This is a this is a top tenner for me. Uh, we're gonna give it five out of five.
1: Oh man, you're gonna really hate mine. Five <laughs> out of five. What though?
2: Hunt for Red October's.
1: Okay, all right. <laughs> I only gave it two out of five. Kings of the World. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, same deal. I just it's just one of those episodes, and some information comes out, but I feel like. You know, some characters don't, like, Dwight doesn't do anything in the episode. No, it's a very Dwight-light episode. Tardy. Yeah, <laughs> so I feel like, so maybe it furthers the the jam storyline, but um, I don't like it. I, you know, Jim, uh, Pam Rather is properly engaged with a wedding date now. Jim is single and lonely. Amy Adams is leaving the show. It's just a very tough
2: episode, and it's fun and all that, but
1: uh, yeah, probably I don't think I would have put it
2: on my top ten list. I don't think I did. No, This, this is definitely a top tenner for me. So,
1: um, well, There you go. Between me and Jacob's top ten list, someone's got to agree with some
2: things we say. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're going to get into episode 12 of season two, The Injury. Uh, I know this is a very popular episode. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people rank it very high. I've got a friend who... Loves it. It's in his top 10. It's not in mine. It's a good episode. Actually, the more I've watched it, the more I've started to like it. Okay. But uh, there's really, I don't think there's really a B storyline here, really. Uh, So Michael grills his foot on a George Foreman grill because Mm. he likes breakfast in bed, but he doesn't have a butler, so he has to do it himself. Right. And he accidentally stepped on his George Foreman grill, um, which would have burnt the hell out of it. And so he calls. I mean, the episode pretty much opens with him calling Pam to try and get somebody, like, and it's like anybody but Dwight, anybody but Dwight.
1: It's a really good cold open because it's so hectic. It starts with Michael's voice, yeah, like
2: screaming and shit. Yeah,
1: Uh, and then it ends with Dwight crashing into a telephone pole.
2: Right, and then throwing up on the back of his car. But it was funny because like. At the very, very beginning, he's like, send Ryan, send Ryan. And if you <laughs> catch Ryan's face, it's just pure terror. Like, oh, That's my God, too, cause please cause don't make walks, me do this.
1: Yeah, because he, like, walks into frame and then, like, walks out of frame as if, like, he knew where <laughs> where the shot was. He's like, nope. And then he kind of <laughs> off. Uh,
2: I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. Um, we also find out that Michael makes up having a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh or in the in this cold open, and then you have Dwight like, I'm coming, Michael is like, No, no, wait, 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 Dwight, and then Dwight runs into the pole and gives himself a concussion. Which I guess I guess if you want it could be the story like the B storyline is like do- concuss Dwight.
1: And then like burnt foot Michael. Yeah. And yeah. then they just kinda of merge at the end. But yeah. Right. The
2: thing I have to like say is I'm surprised, like with the level of concussion that Dwight, Dwight would have had. I, I would assume because um, I had a actually uh, as, as terms of, in terms of like severity of concussions wasn't overly severe, but I had a concussion a couple of months ago, mm. and I was out. I was out of work for four days. Like, right. I, it's a, there's no way if he had a concussion as bad as this one seems, he probably couldn't even drive, much less yeah, yeah. like do anything else. And I've got to give. Um, Oh, Rain, Rain Wilson Nation. credit, because that's exactly what it seems like when you're on, when you have a pretty bad concussion, like can't really focus on anything like your thought process gets all messed up. It's really bizarre. So I thought he did a really good job of portraying that whole thing. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yep. I agree with that. Yeah. He uh, <laughs> it, cause it's it's the commitment, right? Right. He was sitting there looking like he's working and just typing Dwight a thousand <laughs> times as a folder name. <laughs> or, um, one of my responsibilities as assistant regional manager is to, and then everybody just waits. Right. And, yeah, no, he, uh, he definitely commits to being concussed.
2: I, I had to, like, look at it because when he was, you know, doing Dwight, 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 it's obvious that, like, it's, he's not even on Windows XP. Mm. It's like, it looks like Windows 3.1. Like, it looks like old-school Windows on those computers.
1: Yeah, no, it could be. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, not to get too far away from the episode itself, but I was always, like, really curious, because Dunder Miffin has, like, a huge headquarters in New York. Uh Uh-huh. But, like, how many branches do they have before they start shutting everything down? Because it seems like only a handful, really. It seems like, I want to say, like,
2: eight or ten, maybe.
1: Like, is that worth having, like the office they seem to have in new york i mean they probably are only one floor on an office building right it's not like the
2: building crap ton of money
1: yeah that overhead's got to be crazy i mean that's probably and
2: that's sort of one of those things where we they kind of get into about how they're bad about spending like the the company itself is bad stuff yeah
1: yeah that's true um Anyways, yeah. So I'm always just curious how much money Dunham Mifflin actually has before they start to go under.
2: Well, I mean, it's it's hard to say because they are a traded stock. Yep. You That's know, true. and then you know when we see the the sales convention, there's like five thousand sales guys in there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really hard to get a feeling for how big it is because it seems like it changes depending on the the need for the size of the company.
1: Yeah, I mean, because they do things where they spend an entire day with um, Tim Meadows at a Chili's, you know, and like how big can that sale possibly be? You know, big enough that Jan
2: gets super happy and makes out with Michael by mistake. I mean, that that sale is probably, I mean, at least a quarter million dollars a year, if not more. I mean, that's a multi-million dollar sale, pretty easily. Yeah, maybe.
1: But I guess they don't put that gravity on it, though. Right. Like Jan shows up, but we don't feel that. Like we feel like Michael just sold or whatever,
2: you know? Well, I mean, it does kind of come up because Jim in that episode is like, this is a big deal. It's our entire county. Right, right. That's true, too.
1: That's
2: the only kind of weight given. There's, there's never um, a dollar amount shown. Uh, but he does. Jim does say they might not have to downsize the branch if they get this. Right. right. So you know, it's a it's a branch saving sale.
1: All right, that's a good point. Still not worth having an office in New York, I think. No, that's no. no. <laughs> uh,
2: there's a the, so your know, uh, Michael shows up and Pam's in the office, and it's a really great exchange where uh, Michael's like, "Your job is to be my friend." Right. <laughs> She's like. Do you want some
1: Tylenol? You seem a little fussy. <laughs> she's like, "No, I don't want Tylenol." Yes, I am a little bit fussy.
2: Yeah, uh, <laughs> you can see, like, she just, like, you know what? I'm going to treat him like the six year old he is. <laughs> so yeah, she's yeah, done with it. You know. Um,
1: yeah, I know, and he has that like self made cast out of bubble wrap and tape.
2: Yeah,
1: uh, and the crutches that he just had lying around that he's using. Um, also, speaking of the injury, though, the George Foreman girl Makes a comeback later in Boys and Girls because it's the mm. grill that's used to cook the steaks for the warehouse, yeah. that ends up in them having to order pizza instead because no one
2: needs to eat steak from a <laughs> foot. His man meat. Yep.
1: <laughs> I want some man
2: meat. Okay. Okay. So in, and we also see that uh, Pam gets another MP3 player and Dwight's yeah. helping her with it. So I guess Roy didn't actually end up buying Pam an iPod like he said he was going to for Christmas.
1: Right it's that prism duo sport or whatever yeah is. yeah was that a, a real thing i don't think so but there was a lot of like weird third-party mp3 players during like that craze prism duo sport i think it was called oh there is a duo sport electronics hmm
2: we the prism duo sport people yeah
1: Oh well, yeah, the the first thing on their homepage is Prism Six Thousand. It says, "Finally, a portable media player tough enough for the Wild West." I don't know why that is.
2: <laughs> well, I guess it's a real company though. So interesting it's cool that looking. they bring it up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know. It looks like
2: a like a modern the, version like a of like the talkback. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm gonna show it to the people on the YouTube's. But yeah, so she obviously didn't get her iPod. This thing is kind of cool looking. Um didn't Wait, get her is this iPhone a website.
1: I'm That's looking a good at the question. third picture and there's like a picture of three remotes on a gun. And it says introducing the first social universal remote.
2: I think this has got to be a spoof site. It's, it may be and if they if if whoever did it, if it's a if it's a spoof, it's pretty good. Good job.
1: Okay, anyway, <laughs>
2: sorry.
1: <laughs> um Okay, yeah, so yeah, so Pam does have the MP3 player, and uh, some of the fun interactions between her and Dwight is Dwight giving her like that case. Right, and then chucking it across the room and being like, "Oh no, it's broken," which is like a, a lightness that Dwight doesn't usually show when he's like, "I'm just kidding, it's fine don't worry about it."
2: Right. And so you see that like he's actually like nice and flirty and happy because he like he runs into Angela, She's, he's like, "Do you like candy?" It's like, mm-hmm, it's like, good, because you're sweeter than Candy. And she just starts slapping her on the ass.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I mean, not to jump too far ahead, but then there's this nice bit, too, where Dwight's finally going to the hospital, and Pam's like, I'll miss you. He's like, well, I'll be back. He's like, yeah, but it'll be different. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, Cause baby Dwight will never return. Well,
2: it was really funny. It's something I, I, I caught for the first time watching it uh, tonight was you know, th- he's, they're help- Jim's helping Dwight out to the car, and uh, Dwight starts making, like, helicopter noises, and then <laughs> falls on the, the bench, and Dwight, or Jim says, Dwight, what, what are you doing? And Dwight says, I'm making Vietnam noises. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like, what? That's random. <laughs> oh,
1: my God. And then, like, the spray bottle. Yes. It's like one of my favorite bits of the whole series where like they're in the car and Jim keeps spraying Dwight to wake him up and then Michael starts shouting and then Jim sprays Michael about it and it's just like so fast and you know that camera guy's just like hopping back and forth between person <laughs> yeah that's
2: and then, so funny then you see the uh that Dwight finds a fifth of some kind of brown, yeah. brown colored liquor because it's Meredith's, car, Meredith's van yeah we also find out that Pam is f- somewhat friends with Michael's mom, who I'm yep. surprised we never see. I don't think we ever see her. No, I don't think we ever see her,
1: yeah. So, I mean, they go to her house in Carbondale. But you never see, see that. Never see it. Um, yeah, obviously Pam talks to her here. And then during that episode actually where Kelly buys the bridesmaid's dress – um, Michael's mom is on the phone because right. he's
2: supposed to be revealing to her that he got engaged or whatever.
1: But yeah, never see her.
2: Interesting. Yeah. So another like fun thing about this is so Michael falls in the bathroom. Oh, so good. One, yeah. how did he fall? Right. <laughs> and two, like, Sid Ryan. It's like, uh, Ryan is dead. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess he—I guess he made it down onto the toilet, and I guess coming up because he only had the one foot, I just imagine he fell in between the stall wall and the toilet seat. Um, but it, like, it shot so well because it's in the hallway, and Toby's looking at the door, and the sound is like way off in the yeah. distance.
2: Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> and then he comes out, and he's all pissed off, and you get a couple like moments of stanley and phyllis being really sassy to him and Like he's like what does this look like stanley mailboxes like, no etc cetera. Et cetera. yeah and he's like what if it had been stevie wonder would you have let him you know, laying in the bathroom And Phyllis's like no but we like stevie wonder yeah <laughs> and he's like i burned my foot yeah <laughs> and then we have one of our you know conference room meetings with uh the, when Michael puts stuff on the walls. Yeah.
1: Uh, have you oh, had, yeah, that's it, another tough scene. So they have this conference meeting, and they bring in uh, Billy something, but basically the owner of the business
2: park, and he's in a wheelchair. Property manager. I don't, I don't think, think, he think he owns exactly. it. Yeah. Actually, we know for a fact he doesn't own it. Beekman Properties owns it. That's true. Thank you for that.
1: Um, Billy Merchant, that's who he is. And, um, yeah, it's just tough... Because he's like, How long did it take you to get that chair? He's like, thirty seconds. Uh or oh no, that's his brushes teeth. Right, yeah.
2: right. And so he's like, That's three times all so Michael brushes yeah. his teeth for ten seconds a day.
1: Yeah. That's basically like putting the toothpaste in your mouth and then instantly spitting it out. Um Yeah. No, so Mike, again, there's a douchebag Michael alert, but that that's just a that's a tough meeting to have.
2: Yeah. Right. I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. So like Michael falls, and you keep hearing him fall over and over again in the bathroom mm-hmm. the, this, the pure joy on toby's face is pretty funny. You could tell he's just super happy that michael is is hurting being a douche.
1: I wonder if that was shot like live to tape like were those Michael's actual sounds in conjunction with that shot of toby you know right. um, yeah, because if the, if so, that would make it just all the more better. Like of how perfect it was shot already, you know.
2: And so, one of the uh, movies, one of the, the pictures, is Tom Hanks and Big. Yep. And if you haven't seen Big, it's super fucking depressing. Like yep. I would highly recommend just skipping it. <laughs> like it's yeah. a good movie, but at the end of that movie, you're like, "Oh, need a hug or something." <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's true. And we also figure out that, well, it's implied that Michael took the handicap spot. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, Billy's like, yeah, sorry it took me so long. There was um, someone in the handicapped spot.
1: Yeah, and then Michael does the awkward look around. Yeah. Like hoping nobody realized it was him.
2: And one thing I'd have to bring up, because it's Billy who brings up um, the fact that Dwight might have a concussion. Yeah. And maybe it's just a different occult different cultures now since concussions are really big today but how did no one think that he might have a concussion you know because he was obviously acting like it maybe it's just people didn't see it as that big of a deal yeah because maybe
1: he's just weird although I guess there's a point where Jim points out that Dwight's being weird right Um, because he's like Pam's like no he's been really nice and he's like does that sound like Dwight and she's like oh my god Dwight's being so weird yeah, no, that's a good point. I've never seen a concussion in person. And, yeah, you're right. We are living in a society that's more, like, conscious of when that kind of stuff happens. But maybe in 2005 or eight or whatever this was, 2006, um, yeah, maybe conscious con- concussions weren't running rampant.
2: Well, they were. They just didn't have the spotlight. But now we've had, like, Will Smith movie named Concussion and yeah. <laughs> this other stuff. So.
1: Yeah. Um, So, we get to the hospital, right?
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And um, Michael goes as the emergency contact. Jim goes because he can drive. Um, Where it's revealed that Jim knows Dwight's middle name, Kurt. Right. Which I feel like the audience probably already knew. It was just like a nice moment for Jim to have remembered it or whatever. Right. I think... Because I feel like Dwight probably said it to us at some point.
2: Yeah. Um, Maybe Threat Level Midnight episode? Yeah, something like that. Oh, yeah, maybe the the client. I I know, I know it's brought up. I I know his mill initials brought up. But I don't know if it's okay. his actual yeah. name is is in it. But
1: Jim says it, puts it on the form for Michael, um, and it's just this really interesting thing where I don't know what Michael's deal is, why he's not like being more accommodating of Dwight's injury, but he's like really standoffish at first, and even when he's in the room with Dwight after finally relenting to go in. He's still kind of douchey about it by trying
2: to shove his foot into, like, the MRI machine or whatever it is. Well, you got to backtrack a little bit because he's in with, like, the physician, the doctor. It's like, well, yeah, but it's, you know, which is worse, a head injury or a foot injury? Head injury. But you haven't seen, you know, seen it. Like, what kind of machine would you use for that? He's like, well, is the uh, the skin red and swollen? It's like, that's what she said. Right. And he, he gets all pissed off. He's like, that's my
1: joke. Yeah, 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 that's true. Um, Yeah, but just Michael's not really nice about it. But later on in the episode where they're, like, sitting outside David Wallace's house because of the branch closing episode. Mm -hmm. um, And they're going through their favorite office memories, and Dwight lists this as one of his favorite memories. Right. um, Where, like, he says Michael took care of him. Not the case at
2: all. Not the case at all. But he had a concussion. He probably doesn't remember much doesn't of it. Doesn't remember. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> and, and then you have this nice little moment where y- you can tell that Pam knows that Dwight and Angela are thing. So Jim calls Pam to give her an update. And instead of like, well, first off, like Angel's spying on Pam. And then like she turns around and, like drops down behind right. the divider. But, but she doesn't reference Pam angela directly she talks to Oscar to let angela know to kind of keep the secret there right right so i thought that was a nice moment you know
1: yeah no definitely since we've known that angela and dwight are dating it's like become part of the show right at, the, at this point like it's been featured in like every
2: episode mm-hmm. um yeah, like i said before a concussion of the size i think because he, he's Angela. Pam says that there's a chance that he'll be back at work tomorrow. No yeah. way in hell he was making it back to
1: work the next yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, oh, okay. So check this out. According to the Office .dot .wikia, Dwight refers to Pam's MP3 player as a Prism Duo Sport. In reality, it looks much closer to a Creative Zen Micro. Oh, the show's writers developed a fake website for the Prism Duo Sport. There we go. Nice. So. <laughs> We just got played by the creators. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah. So, and then what happens at the end of the episode there? I mean, I mean it kind of ends at the hospital there, right?
2: With him trying mm. to stick
1: his foot in the machine. Yeah,
2: that's pretty much where it ends. Uh, you know, pretty funny that he's trying to do it. And he's, like, so reluctant to actually go with Dwight in yeah. there, you know. it's like, fine. So he, like, hops around and...
1: Yeah, because he can't bring in any metal. Oh, so then another instance where we're, like, reminded that there are proper cameras here because he has to take off his microphone and all that jazz. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, like, you just said, you you started watching um, Parks and Rec. Right. That is not something... Like, I feel like maybe even camera guys fall over sometimes. But it's, it's not, like, a thing that it's, like, a show and it's being recorded.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: just shot in a similar way. So it's interesting that the office makes sure that we know that it's still, like this production you know? right
2: and it's you know in like like we said that the camera crew in some episodes is a care you know is, a, is another right. character in the show kind of thing right it, it becomes even more so in season nine but it's just a, you know different times where they are um doing you know where the camera crew is, is yeah. what they are right yeah uh That's about it for me. I actually don't have a ton of notes on this one. Only two pages.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, again, same thing. I mean, I think with the episodes where the B storyline is so closely tied to the A storyline, it's not like there's a lot to talk about because it's all referring to the same thing.
2: And there really isn't a lot of character development here. It's just, you know, it's... It's like some... uh, it's sort of a one off episode you don't need yeah. this episode for the progression of the storyline, but it's good for the characters to get you know some screen time, but this is pretty this is a very michael dwight centric episode,
1: yeah, and that's about it, okay, so uh by that kind of mean summarization, I feel like you probably didn't give it
2: a very good score uh actually, I forgot to write one down, but um I'm thinking it's like. I mean, it's not a bad episode, and I like it more than I used to. Yeah, but it's—I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give it two point seven five medium rare foots. Two point seven
1: five or two point seven out of five.
2: Two point seven out of five.
1: Out of five, medium rare foots. Medium rare foots. Um, Man, just we continue to be opposites. I gave it a four point two out
2: of what? five boxes, etc. What? It's just a fun episode, I, you know. It is a fun episode, but it's—I don't know. It's, I like it. I like. A while ago, it would have been a one. Like if we had done this podcast like two or three years ago, it would have been yeah. a one. So I'm starting. Maybe, maybe by the end of the podcast, it'll be like closer to a three or four. You,
1: you know what I think it is? I think because the other episodes seem to have been so. Specific in terms of who they're about, and this seemed nice because Michael's injury affects the whole office. You know, you get some Toby and Ryan time, dwight's interacting with people he wouldn't normally interact with. So I feel like it's a it's a good representation of the office. Whereas the previous episodes were a lot more like zoomed in on Jim or zoomed in on Michael or whatever. You know, so I think that's what I appreciated about it is that you have to see these people deal with each other in like this emergency quote unquote right right so i think that's what i
2: like about it so much so uh our next episode we will be covering the secret the -hmm. carpet boys and girls and valentine's day so some pretty good episodes um yeah i'm looking forward to it so we'll see you guys in two weeks um Thanks for coming out to the Great Scott Podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, As always, you can find us at uh, brokenjars.xyz, brokenjarsbroadcasting at gmail.com. Probably by next time, I'll have an actual specific Great Scott email, but haven't done that yet. Um, We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. uh, We're on iTunes. We're on pretty much every major podcasting thing, so just... Punch in broken jars, and all of our podcasts will come up. Uh, if you're a fan of writing, we have High Fantasy, which is a sort of a academic, high high-minded academic look at writing for fantasy and sci-fi. We have the Dresden Files podcast. We have Forty Two, which is a general just a general podcast for me and Ryan. We just BS, and it's a good time. And we have Shylock's Gaming, which J Ray is a part of, and. You also have another podcast, correct? Yeah,
1: Dangerous to Go Alone, where me and my girlfriend tackle topical geek culture news. Cool. We're on the streak of spoiler alert <laughs> reviews because there's been a lot of nerdy summer movies, but uh, this week we're gonna we're gonna do something hard hitting. I couldn't tell you because I don't know what the hell it's gonna be, but <laughs> um, and I will say too, uh, back to this show, make sure that um, if you're an Office fan check out the Dunder Mifflin subreddit because we post the episodes there and uh, we've had some fun interactions with people in the comment section under each episode so if you've got thoughts and comments and things you want to talk about for upcoming episodes let us know and it's a good way to get in touch with us if you don't want to send us an email or find us on Instagram who who doesn't use Reddit?
2: (laughs) Idiots, that's who (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty, well have a good night, everybody, or good morning, or afternoon, or whenever you listen to it. I hope it's a good day. Yeah. Bye.